0: I'd invite you to turn with me this evening to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter number twelve, Hebrews chapter number twelve. And we'll begin reading in verse number one. We'll read uh, three verses here in Hebrews twelve, and then we'll uh, we'll look back at uh, some verses in Hebrews chapter number eleven this evening. Hebrews chapter number twelve. The Bible said, "Wherefore, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. I want us to pray together. We ask the Lord to speak to us through his word. And may the Holy Spirit work in our hearts and lives. So let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together around your word. And as we come into your presence, we thank you for the Holy Spirit, who is our teacher, who is our comforter, who enables us and empowers us. And I pray that you would help us this evening. I pray that you would quicken our hearts and minds, enable us to receive your truth, Help us to be attentive. Help us to hear your voice. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would speak. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would use me as your messenger, that you would fill me with your power. I pray, Lord, that you would cleanse me of my iniquities and help me to be a vessel to encourage your people. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. In Hebrews chapter number 12, we have a picture that is given uh, to us. It is a picture of the Christian life. It is uh, the example of a runner who is running a race. We know that in the uh, period of the first century, we know that the Greek culture was a prevalent culture, an influential culture. And uh, we understand from history that The Greek games were a very important part of that culture, and here we have an allusion to that uh, in this reference concerning the race and the runner. It is an illustration that any of the readers of the book of Hebrews would have immediately picked up on, the fact that they can picture. Uh, in the culture that they lived in. They obviously were familiar with the fact that the contests would take place, that the runners would run. And uh, the picture in mind here, of course, is of the endurance race. And uh, as the runners came in, uh, to uh, as they came closer and closer to the finish and then into uh, the arena where they finished the race and would be Uh, rewarded. These are pictures that would have been uh, in the mind of the readers of that day. And I want us to look at this subject this evening. That the Apostle Paul, I want to use the phrase, and many believe the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. We do not know that for sure, and sometimes by habit I might say that. But whoever it is that God used to write it, we understand it's inspired Word of God. We see Here in the close of verse number one, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. I wanna speak to you on the subject, the race that is set before us. The race that is set before us. We in this generation have a race to run. It is the race that is set before us. Our, Our church collectively as a group of believers has a race to run here in our community. We have a work to carry out. We have a race to complete. And individually, in our lives, in the circumstances of our lives, we have a race to run. And the admonition and the exhortation here is that we would run the race that is set before us. Now, the picture here or the image that is used in in communicating this race is that uh, this is a race that is unending throughout our lives. It is a perpetual race, and so we are engaged in this race, and this race will not be completed until our life has ended and we've entered into the Lord's presence and into the Lord's rest and so the, the admonition here is that you and I, as believers, and the admonition in particular here to the Hebrew believers, is that they would keep running the race, that they would keep running the race. And as you hear the language, as you hear him communicate to them that they are to keep running the race, we understand that the, uh, there is a temptation to stop running the race, there's a temptation to stop. And we know that the Bible tells us there was a group of believers in the church who went out from us. They went out from among their brothers and sisters and uh, the apostles said they went out from us because they were not of us. They stopped in the race and it was revealed that they really weren't ever in the race. And there are others that Paul referred to, such as Demas, who, having loved this present world, had forsaken him. And there have been instances and times in our lives and with the people that we love and know where we have seen people who have sat down, they have ceased to run. And here we find the encouragement that we keep on running as we think about that in light of our present circumstance, the fact that we cannot meet together as a church, the fact that we have to uh, sit in our homes and watch uh, videos or live stream broadcasts of uh, a pastor somewhere preaching. Uh, we we don't have the opportunity to uh, fellowship together, we don't have the opportunity to serve in certain ministries, but the truth of the matter is, though those things have happened, we are still called to run our race. And we've been in a time period where the race has been altered somewhat, hasn't it? Uh, people often refer to their lives as the rat race, like they're in the maze, and they don't know exactly which way to go, but they're running frantically. They're running frantically. They're trying to find uh, the destination and they don't even know what the destination is. And oftentimes as believers, though we're called to run the race of faith, uh, we can be embroiled in the midst of the rat race. And it seems like this time is an opportunity for us to, to withdraw, from the rat race and to examine the course that we are on and the progress that we're making in the race of faith, the race that is set before us. And so we are to keep running the race, even though we don't meet or are unable to meet we're doing the best we can to meet through these online formats and through these daily video productions that are going out each day we're doing our best to continue as a church to run the race and i pray that you are doing your best to run the race to entering into god's word continuing constant in prayer and reaching out to uh, our church family and and then looking for opportunities to be a witness to your neighbors and and to share the good news of the gospel. You see, uh, just because we have ceased to meet does not mean that we have ceased to function. And though the course is different, we are still in the race. And so the admonition comes that we are to run with patience the race that is set before us. There are times in the race when it's, It's it's unusually difficult. There are times in the race where the hardships come. There are times in the race where the opposition is great. And we are called to endure those difficult times. We are called to run with patience. There are times in the race when we we feel as if our progress is not what we wish it would be. We're not running with the strength that we thought we might enjoy running with and we have to agonize in the race. We have to learn to gruel, gruel it out uh, in the race. And so uh, we are called to stay in it and to endure patiently. Uh, We're also tempted to get off course. As I mentioned a moment ago in the rat race, we can uh, get caught up in that and forget the fact that we've been called to a different course. We've been called to the course of the life of faith and along the road, there are many temptations to to get off course, but we're to keep running. And may God help us as a church to keep running. And I pray that when we come through this stretch on the course, and when we get off this hill, I'm praying that God will have taught us many lessons and enabled us And strengthen us as a church, as Christians, and that we will be better believers, better Christians, better husbands, better wives, better children, better church members, and a better church. Because we're learning to run this race. Now, as we keep running, there are three things that we must do that are given to us if we are to keep running the race. And I'll just give them to you, and then we'll look at them individually. Number one, we must keep learning. We must keep learning. Number two, we must keep laying aside. And number three, we must keep looking. These are things that we must continue to do if we're to keep running. So I want you to look at the first one with me. Number one, keep learning. Keep learning. Let's look at it in verse number one. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Here we have a bridge. The word wherefore provides a bridge for us to the previous thought. And the theme of the book of Hebrews is better things. And the fact of the matter is, is that the new covenant, the new Testament is better than the old covenant. And of course, this book is addressed to those Uh, who were Hebrews, those who are of the nation of Israel, who are accustomed and who are familiar with uh, the Old Testament covenant and the Old Testament law and the Old Testament sacrifices and rituals. And the author of the book of Hebrews is writing to them concerning the fact that they now have a better covenant and they have better promises and they have a better priest and a better sacrifice And all of that is in one person, Jesus Christ, who is a better mediator. And we praise the Lord for that. We thank God for that. And as we look back into the past, we see those who before they had, uh, or before the Lord Jesus came, who were under the old covenant, and yet they persevered and endured in their race through faith. These are the great cloud of witnesses. Now in the book of Hebrews chapter number 11, we're introduced to this great cloud of witnesses. The picture here is of course, is that the course is surrounded by the grandstands and in the grandstands, in the the bleachers are the faithful, who have, who have run before us. And so they serve to encourage us. They serve us not only to encourage us and applaud us and cheer us on, but they serve to encourage us through the instruction of their lives. They have run the course. They, they ran it themselves and they completed it. And so now they serve as examples for us. We're introduced here in the 11th chapter. Notice in verse number four, we're introduced to Abel who offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts and by it he being dead yet speaketh. You see, Abel has something to say to us this evening. 6,000 years later, He still speaks by faith. Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him for before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. The Bible tells us in verse six, but without faith, it is impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so Enoch teaches us that we can please God by faith. Noah, who was warned, verse number seven, he was warned of God of things not seen yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness, which is by faith. Noah has a message to us that when God speaks to us, when God warns us, we must obey God. We must move with fear, with reverence not only the reverence that we would have toward God, but the understanding of the awful judgment that would await us if we do not respond to God. And we come to verse eight, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed and he went out not knowing whither he went. Abraham teaches us much about answering God's call in the pilgrimage of the Christian life, the life of faith. We also understand in verse 11, through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. God is able to fulfill his promises even when it is seemingly impossible. Verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded to them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And we see that Abraham offered up his son in verse 17, Isaac. And he that received the promises offered up his only begotten son of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Accounting that God was able to raise up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning upon his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. The Bible tells us that by faith, verse 31, the harlot Rahab perished not with him that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. And then the author says in verse 33, and what shall I say more? I've spoken to you about Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and and Joseph and Moses and Rahab. And these are people just like you. The Bible says that Elijah was a man of like passions. We understand that Abraham in the time of famine went down to Egypt. He lied about who his wife was. We understand that Isaac seemingly was a weak leader. That Jacob was a man who favored some in his family over others and he paid a great price for it. That Moses was a man who began early in his life, a man who who thought himself capable and had to spend 40 years on the backside of the wilderness to learn that he was not capable and then to learn that God was capable. And then we think of Rahab who was a, Canaanite girl, she was a harlot. But she responded to God's offer of salvation. She acknowledged that the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob was the true and the living God. And she found mercy and grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are people who are not unlike us. And they ran their race in faith. And the Bible teaches us that we need to keep learning from them. You see, the things that we're going through are things that others have gone through. And by the way, others have gone through far worse. And when we don't know how we're going to cope and we don't know how we're going to make it and we we don't know how we're going to find the strength to make another day, we can draw strength from the lives of these who have gone before us. And the Bible says that they compass us about this great cloud of witnesses who serve as an example and who serve to exhort us in the race. The Bible tells us in verse 33, or verse 32 rather, what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah and David also and Samuel and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, Turn to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. It's all victory, isn't it? It's all wonderful to hear. But others, the Bible said, were tortured. Not accepting deliverance. In other words, not recanting, not turning away from God's truth, not denying Jesus that they might obtain a better resurrection and others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, they were slain with a sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in the deserts and in the mountains and in the dens and the caves of the earth. Notice verse 39. And these all. having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. What was the promise? They were looking for the Messiah. We have him. They're with him now. But they were looking ahead in faith and they learned to run the race and they endured in the race. But you and I have him. We know him. He's our savior. We have all of the promises of God. We have the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the comfort of the scriptures. And so we're encouraged. And we're exhorted to keep running. These all. They ran their race. And we can learn from them. And so I want to encourage you. Read God's word. Read the book of Genesis. Read of the life of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. You'll find out that they were people just like you, with problems just like you, insecurities and fears and temptations and weaknesses and propensities to fall into sin. Yet God in his mercy forgave them and God led them and God empowered them and they persevered in faith. You see, if we're gonna keep running, number one, we must keep learning. And may the Lord help us to keep learning as we learn during this time to enter into God's word and to allow God to speak to us. Number one, keep learning. Number two, if we're gonna keep running, we must keep laying aside the, the weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Keep laying it aside. Notice if you would again, in Hebrews chapter number 12, let us lay aside every weight and the sin, which doth so easily beset us and let us run with patience, the race that is set before us. If we're to run the race, then we must lay some things aside. You now, the, the culture of that day and, and the uh, knowledge of the people concerning the, the games and, 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 and the fact that when they competed in the games, they did not wear the customary dress of the day. The long, heavy, cumbersome robes that would have been worn were not worn in the competition. Those were laid aside. Those were laid aside so, so as not to encumber the runner in the race. And the picture here is that you and I would learn to lay some things aside. And I'm praying and have been, and have prayed that God would help me to see the things that I, as the pastor, I as a father and a husband and as a Christian need to lay aside. You see, if I'm going to run the race that God wants me to run, if I'm going to run it to the finish, there's some things that I need to learn to lay aside because they encumber me, they entangle me, they weigh me down and they trip me up and I need to learn to lay them aside. Now he says, lay aside the weight. That weight snares us and we cannot have the heavy uh, burdens of this uh, world uh, weighing us down. We must learn to leave things in the hands of God and by the way, Uh, some things that are weights are not necessarily sinful. They're just things that serve as weights for us. There are things that may be good things, but they're not the things that God wants us to carry or to take up. And I'm learning as I get older, there are certain things I need to say no to. And what I need to say yes to is the Lord. And if we're going to run the race, we've got to lay some things aside. Uh, Some of the distractions, uh, some of the technology, some of the activity. And uh, here we're in a period of time where there's some things that have been laid aside from us that maybe aren't voluntary, but nevertheless, we need to learn to lay more of those things aside when life returns back to some uh, semblance of normality. Lay aside the weight that snares me. I must lay aside the sin that surrounds me. He says, it does so easily beset us. Maybe it's a temper problem. Maybe it's a a temptation, an area of temptation or lust, or uh, maybe it's jealousy or envy. Uh, The Bible tells us that we must learn to lay these things aside. Notice what the Bible says. I'll give you a few references. I hope you'll write them down. Ephesians 4.22, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, That flesh that we deal with, it's, it's not redeemed. Our, our soul is redeemed. We have the spirit of God, but we are also in a struggle with our flesh and we have to learn to put off the old man and to put on the new. Colossians chapter three and verse number eight. But know you also to put off all these anger. That's one thing we need to put off. Uh, if we have temper problems, anger problems, wrath, that's an intensified anger, malice, that is a hatred that wishes to harm others, blasphemy, uh, that is to disgrace and discredit God and to speak ill of God and others who love the Lord and serve him, filthy communication out of your mouth, Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. We are constantly in a position, if we're going to keep running, where we have to keep choosing to lay things aside. And as the Holy Spirit and the Word of God confronts us with the sin in our life and the weight in our life, we, we must continue to obey him and lay those things aside if we're going to keep on running. James said in James 1 21, wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. That means an overflow of naughtiness. We live in a dirty world. We live in a naughty world and we have wicked deceitful hearts. And we must learn to lay it aside, to confess it to God and know that he will cleanse it, to turn from it and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. You see, if the word of God is to be received into my life, I've got to make room for it. I've got to get the rocks and the dirt. I've got to get the rocks out of my life and the dirt out of my life. And I've got to get the thorns out of the soil of my heart so that it will be good ground so that I can receive the word of God and so that it can produce fruit in my life. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number one, wherefore laying aside all malice and all guile, that's a deceptiveness, Guile, we've learned how to deceive with little conviction in our soul. Hypocrisies, envies, and all evil speakings. We have to lay those things aside and as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. What is impeding my growth? It is, uh, it is these things, malice, guile, hypocrisies, envies. They're impeding me in my growth. They're impeding me in my race. They're impeding me in my fruitfulness. They're impeding me as I run and I have to, if I'm going to keep running, I've got to learn to keep laying those things aside. Because if you're like me, we may lay them aside only to take them up again. And we have to constantly learn to lay them aside. What is it that God wants to speak to you about during this time, during this COVID-19 crisis? What is God wanting to say to you? What is he saying to you? And are you listening? Are you willing to lay permanently, lay some things aside, and even if you take them up again to learn to continue to lay them down, are you willing to do that so that you can run the race, so that you can be fruitful, so that you can grow in the Christian life? If we're going to keep running, we must keep learning from those who run before us. We must keep laying aside the weight and the sin Which does so easily beset us. And then finally, number three, we must keep looking. We must keep looking. Notice verse number two Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We must keep looking to Jesus. That is our friend, that is my friend, the definition of what faith is. It is looking to Jesus. You remember when Peter said, Lord, if it be thou bid me to come unto thee in the water. And the Lord said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and he began to go to Jesus. He began to walk on the water. During the storm it was that he chose to walk or he asked the Lord to call him out. And so the Lord called him out to him in the midst of the storm. Aren't you glad that Jesus came? to the disciples in the midst of the storm. And let me tell you that he's come to us in the midst of the storm. And he may be calling you in the midst of the storm out of the boat as he called Peter. And so Peter stepped out and he began to walk on the water. But then the wind and the waves were boisterous. The waves crashing all around him, the wind howling, in his ears and he began to look not at the Lord, but at the circumstances. And as he began to look at those circumstances, we know the story or many of you do, he began to sink down into the water. And as he began to sink, he cried, Lord, save me. Lord, help me, Lord, deliver me. And the Lord reached forth, took him by the hand and lifted him out of the wave. You see, the picture here is that we must keep looking to Jesus. If I'm going to keep on running, I've got to keep learning. I've got to keep laying aside, and I've got to keep looking. Every day, I've got to fix my gaze upon Jesus. And so the Bible tells us here that we are to look into Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, Endured the cross. Notice the example. He endured the cross. He endured difficulty. He endured the awful death of the cross. And how did he endure it? He endured it because of the joy that was set before him. What is that joy? That joy is the fact that we who know him would one day be with him for all eternity. He from the who knew us from the foundation of the world knew that there would be a day when you and I would respond to the gospel. In his foreknowledge he knew that to be true. And he knew that we would turn to him, and that brings much glory to him, that brings much joy to him, and that we would forever be in his presence. This is the joy that was set before him and may God help us to understand that there is joy that is set before us because one day we'll be delivered from this this earth and all of its sorrows and its sickness and all of its pain and we will be forever in the presence of the Lord he endured for the joy that was set before him, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Not only did he endure, but now he is exalted. He's at the right hand of the throne of God, and the Bible teaches us that there he ever liveth to make intercession for us. You see, the Lord Jesus is active today. What is he doing? He's interceding for you and I. He is praying for you and I. And so the Bible says, Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. You remember that they opposed him on every hand. The scribes and the Pharisees, the rulers who mocked him and ridiculed him, who questioned him, who tried to ensnare him in his words, who discredited his miracles, who falsely accused him, who smote him and who beat him. And who crucified him and who mocked him. He endured, or he endured rather, such contradiction of sinners against himself. Consider that. Consider that, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Do you know what will keep you from fainting? Faith. Faith will keep you from fainting. Looking to Jesus will keep you from fainting. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter number 11 and verse number 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Notice in verse number six, but without faith, it is impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Again, we notice in verse 39 of Hebrews 11, and these all having obtained a good report through faith. How are we going to run? We must run by looking to Jesus. So, I want to ask you this evening, how is the race going? How's the race going? Are you weary? The Bible said, and let us not be weary in well doing, for we know that if in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Don't quit, don't get discouraged, don't lose hope. Trust God, run with patience. The race that is set before us. Keep running. And God has enabled us to stay in the race. Aren't you glad to know it? So how do I do it? Well, I got to keep learning. That means I need to stay in the word of God and allow God to speak to me. It means I need to stay in church where I can hear the Bible preached and taught. It, it means I need to stay engaged in my Sunday school. Even when, and when I can't meet with them, I can stay engaged uh, through the uh, opportunities that we have online to stay connected and stay in the Word of God. It means that I can pick up the phone and talk to my brothers and sisters in Christ and I can I can look through uh, the psalms each day and I can stay engaged uh, in the journey through the psalms that we're looking at together each day that are posted on a daily basis. There are so many opportunities that we have to stay in the Bible. And what we get from the Bible is we learn from those who have run the race before us. And oh, how we can learn things that will help us personally, things that apply to us specifically as we get in the Bible. Keep learning. And then keep laying aside I've got more weight and more sin that is besetting me that I got to get rid of and sometimes I pick it back up again and I can get discouraged with that and think well what's the use I I just can't get victory. Well, the problem is I could never get victory. Jesus Christ has won the victory. And by faith, I can look to him and I can trust him and I can choose to lay things aside. And then as I make the choice to lay the things that don't please God aside in the sin and the weight in my life, I can run unencumbered the race that God has set before me. So just keep laying it aside. Maybe this evening you need to find a place to pray. Maybe some of you need to go to a private place and say, Lord, these are some things that you are speaking about specifically in my heart. I need to lay them aside. And Lord, I pray that you would help me to lay them aside. I confess them to you. Help me to lay them aside. And then, Lord, help me to look to you. Help me to look to you. Now, I've learned something about looking. I just can't take one look and that be sufficient. I've got to learn to keep looking. And sometimes, I'll be honest with you, just like you, I can take my eyes off of him. And it's in those moments that he reminds me, I need to look to him. And maybe you, like Peter, are sinking down, despairing, wondering if you're gonna be able to make it through the storm. Let me tell you friend, you're safe in the arms of Jesus. Keep your eyes on him, look to him. He will give you strength and he will lead you. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used his word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.